0: Nine minutes past nine. What a great choice. And it's the choice of our guest presenter today. Atipatraruga, artist, but also co-founder of something called Victory of the Word. We'll talk about that a little later. Cracking in with the very first song, Linton, Kwesi, Johnson, Lorraine. Who is Ati Patrarugi? He hails from the Eastern Cape, from Umtata, and he focuses on the arts or creativity in so many different mediums costume, performance, video, photography, and uh, most recently or quite recently, even stained glass windows and weaving and so, so much more. So it's an absolute delight. Ati, thank you so much for joining us.
1: Hi, Michelle. How are you?
0: All the better for talking to you, sir. How
1: oh, beautiful. How <laughs> <laughs>
0: beautiful. Ati, <laughs> I was so surprised to see that song. I absolutely love Linton Kwesi Johnson.
1: Um
2: uh,
0: What a choice and why.
1: <laughs> um I have been working on a solo show. Um, I'm on I'm, I'm I'm a few weeks before um, shipping um artworks to um New York for a solo show, so I've been listening to a lot of UK sound system music yeah, and uh, dreaming of having one um, once all my work is done. Maybe I'll go visit a few sound systems um, in the Eastern Cape <laughs> during December. So it's part fantasy and just my love for the genre, of course.
0: It's a fantastic, I mean, it's, he really truly does uh, take Dub to a whole new level for sure mm-hmm. with his music.
1: Mm-hmm. Pure poetry. Yeah. I love words, as you know.
0: So we're going to talk about you and words. I want to start with you and images first. Um, Beautiful. Where that all started for you. Take us back in time.
1: Oh, wow. Um,
0: as far as you want to go. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, my first memory was quite interesting because I think my father was trying to play a trick on me and he drew um, something that looked like a horse it could have been a donkey. It could have been a gorilla.
2: <laughs> it could have
1: been anything, really. But I was quite amazed at the fact that um, someone could render an image. Yeah. And I think I've always been attracted to people who could do that. And then later on in life, rendering more abstract um, human feelings or human struggle, you know, onto onto 2D, onto video, onto many things. And it's the many things that interest me, of course. Yeah. Um, I grew up uh, in East London, Duncan Village, um, and my uh, mom, the first time she saw me kind of draw or render something uh, decently, took me to a school called Bulgavia Art Centre, which went with my uh, high school career. So um, I managed to get uh, a beautiful education there, and then that prepared me for um, Johannesburg because the first opportunity I got <laughs> was to go study fashion in Johannesburg and leave East London. Yeah, so the rest, the rest from then onwards is a beautiful life. I started um, in fashion because I was um, doing fashion between 2002 and 2004. Yeah. And then slept Bang, an old craft of mine, which is that of making tapestry, started yes. getting attention. And, and, and that's how I entered into the art world. And also performance um, uh, was also a part of that, that the club culture of that time. Mm. As also so that mixing of sort of like punk crafts and, and 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 imbuing it with queer politics was something that has stayed with my artwork for such a long time.
0: So for anybody, um, yeah. who, for anybody who's seen your, your your tapestries, they are a true glorious work of art. And as you say, they talk so much to the questions of, as you mentioned, uh, queer art, human struggle. There's a diversity of themes that that repeat their way through your work, no matter whether it does come through your tapestries or whether you are dancing through the Venice Biennale with balloons Mm -hmm. as you sail down a canal on a small boat. I mean... Those <laughs> themes are critical to you. Talk to us about why they're important. What, what your messaging is that you would like more people to engage
1: with? I think at the center of all of it is drama. Um, mm-hmm. Wanting Brilliant. to just um, fly at the face of um, indifference. Yes. Um, and I think that one has to attack it from so many angles and so many um, vibrations and that's why i'm always into um using so many media to 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 try and and speak of visibility um or bring things that are rather private to 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 the outside in those many media um and also they communicate to so many things in 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 my life because performance then becomes the first one which then had to be documented yeah. So photography had to be um, the second medium that um, I had to take advantage of. And then um, for accessibility, we had to go digital, you know, because that was still in the mid noughties So yeah. social media comes in in 2006, 7, 8, and everything was getting digitized. And so there was such an accessibility that was just boom. Yeah, so I'm also going large scale as well uh, because yeah because of ambition really, and also wanting to communicate bring those um um issues which in my case have always been dedicated and quite um quite intentional in their queerness and mm. their blackness and in their and their femme um glasses that they wear you know um and and yeah i think I think that that is that it's all a mixture of all those things. Um, but always with um, ideas of uh, like I, I've been thinking of a word called dignity making um, <laughs> to put something in a picture uh, to put someone in a picture or to put yourself in a picture that you've been told you can't be in or somehow in your head you've made up the story because most most of the things we believe are actually not <laughs> are true yeah. so um, I'm fascinated by that space whereby we make up stories about each other about status quos about various things. And I think that the various mediums that I use and the themes that I use are about just giving a double take on that for the audience and for me.
0: It's so interesting that you talk about dignity making. I mean, we were talking about it yesterday in terms of how we look at um, conflict transformation, and I won't necessarily only say resolution, but the concept of dignity and the fact that you may not respect everyone, but everyone has a right to dignity and how an artist uh, and a creative and someone of you who works in so many mediums is able to participate in that message, A, but also project that message to a much broader audience. That, that must be challenging, if not um, exciting and different.
1: It's, it's a strange feeling, and I think I'm just taking the emotions that I'm feeling because I'm, I'm sitting in studio on top of a tapestry right now. Yeah. <laughs> I think um, this, the, it's one part lonely, yeah. and also one part knowing that there's a community that is working towards the same goal as you. Yes. And I think that that is what is keeping me going at the moment. And I think that's what has um, kept me going for a very long time, but also for a very long time when I was a much younger artist, I thought it was a lonely experience. So collaboration maybe then becomes um, um, an antidote for that. Collaboration, mentoring, um, just 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 working against yourself to, to 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 not be in a solitary state. Especially with the very, especially as a South African artist, duh, we work with the toughest themes, you know, mm. um, and we embody them so much as well, more, more than most yeah and and i think I think that then also the dignity making thing is also for us to think of ourselves as consolers, and then it gives us such a nice mission our thinking yeah did you say think nice, did you say uh, think of us this.
0: think of ourselves as consolers
1: yeah being being um, being one of your many arms of being an artist or a creative or even someone who has a platform is to console yeah yeah.
0: That's such an interesting concept. You know, Ati, a little bit earlier, you you spoke about um, social media, technology and the like. And yet, when I think about the the works that you did with regards to the stained glass images, I I was thinking, well, this is such an ancient technique that (laughs) that you've chosen to work with to talk about extremely topical issues that um, impact you personally, but also impact so many south africans do you think that mm. taking the the ancient technique or the old technique the weaving the working with stained glass windows um is able to project a story which is so present now because it's 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 two odds against one another if that makes sense i'm not being very clear here
1: <laughs> um Oh, I have a personal relationship with the techniques um, that then inspire me to recreate them. Yeah. Um, Tapestry is... I I used to do tapestry when I did home economics um, in in, in Cambridge High School in East London. Yeah. Um, and, And then I started wanting to always elevate it as something higher, maybe in preparation for wanting to elevate other forms of arts and crafts from where I come from yeah. in the future or with that foresight, yes. whereby we don't attach so much shame to ideas of kitsch because they're highly subjective <laughs>
2: yeah. that
1: we don't attach, you know? Um, and also just the, 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 the giving yourself the challenge of elevating something and giving value, added value to something that um, can be easily forgotten or can disappear quickly. And I think that that's why I go to those mediums yeah. Um with stained glass it's I'd such love a I'd love to have seen thing. you working
0: in that. I would have loved <laughs> to have seen your process there.
1: So in twenty thirteen I started working with Ms. Carol Peacock.
2: Yeah.
1: In um who who just taught me how to um do stained glass, the process of stained glass. Um at that time my works were revolving around the future white woman of Lasagna series yes. and it was a very much a um It was themed around um, uh, uh, parodying the idea of the Rainbow Nation and also parodying the idea of how nations are made, the mythologies that we really make up for for, for nation building. So it was um, stained glass that we are using as a medium for that. And then over time, and especially with Corona, because those works, we completed production and were in deproduction in autumn when it became um, lockdown. So, and also there was so much loss going on and also there was so much of us having to um, like come up with very very inventive immediate um, resourceful ways of of delivering these works of creating these works because I'd uh, been locked down in hogsberg in our home and um, the works were going to be exhibited in Cape Town so um, it was it was just that and I felt that uh, I didn't want to stop the inspiration was in knowing that, the phenomenon of light, um, especially hmm. in this time, could somehow do something to someone, because um, I know the feeling that I felt um, when I went to St. Patrick's at Gombey in Duncan Village with my brother a couple of yeah. years ago, and and and, and the light showed through this like glass stained glass window that depicted um, a black uh, a, a black Gabriel and then, uh, a black yeah, Gabriel and um, Virgin Mary. Yeah. And it is, it is not an an experience that is spiritual, but I think that there is something that happens when the phenomenon of light hits you, either on your body or in your mind or in your soul. And that's cleverness, that's spiritual enlightenment, that's, that's much visual, you know? And it's an ancient craft. Mm. Um, um, I think that because of its ancientness, it's believable because it's institutional, you know? Um, and of course, with that knowledge, I, I try and, and flip it inside out and talk about themes that are very close to me, and also um themes that are I'm not going to say secular, but speak of another cosmic plane. yeah, that that would also do with light see, <laughs> and do, color. Do,
0: I mean, if you look at your your trajectory and it it's an extraordinary trajectory. In terms of the work that you've done, where you've exhibited internationally, it, goes, it it's, it's an extensive, extensive and diverse uh, journey that you've taken. Um, I'm interested to understand, as an artist and a creator, do you think, oh, I'm not going to be able to do this because it's going to cost me too much to make this art or to create this work or it's going to take me too long?" I'm thinking about artists who choose their materials because of the joy. That it will bring them or the fascination or the interest but i'm also thinking like what is the economic impact of having to do that i mean it can't be it must be pretty difficult to be making stained glass windows frankly
1: um thank god for good pricing and probably the, 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 the <laughs> the, <Yes.
2: laughs>
1: and the people that uh and yeah the, the team that is able to 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 um Market and, and, and also the, the clients that wait for the new stained glasses to come out because yeah. they tell such a story. And I think that that is the way in which um, I, I, I do all of my work. It happens in, in a form of like doing a serialized tale yes. um, or serialized mythology um, or, or whatever. And one is able to then take the audience by the hand and also get an investment from the audience in that sense. Um, I like slow burns. I think I've been a slow burner. Um, all my life like a second prince of slow burner <laughs> <laughs> so um and also i think that that's something that drives me to always not want to settle on um on on on, on what i have done um i think that's always red flags for me yeah. um and yeah and, and that's why i would probably like okay let me try staying glass and earlier i said i wanted to open a sound system Maybe yeah. I won't, maybe I won't. But I think that also, that's something, because um, you know of the service that you're doing, you're of the service of making and putting images that are not out there, um,
2: yeah.
1: putting um, communities um, and yourself as part of that community in the picture. Um, something, I think there's something priceless about that more than the price it costs to, Absolutely. to make the work. Yeah. Um, it's like that ripple effect as well yeah i've seen it i've seen it happen i think that i'm a beneficiary of it so yeah. i'm um yeah uh, it's easy for me to do
0: you're a beneficiary and you're also becoming a beneficiary and we'll talk about that in a short while your second track ati tavern queen what's it about <laughs> why the choice
1: um well, if this art thing doesn't work out, maybe I will open a tavern. <laughs> 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 That's the first thing. <laughs> then, uh, but it's can't you can't you do now. both?
0: Can't you do both? Well, I think I can.
1: Exactly. Um, much later for pension, I can be a nice um, tavern queen. Um, I think the song um, "Desiree" was inspired by the women that uh, we all grew up seeing who ex who explored freedom yes. um, um, in, in these spaces that were seen as dangerous. Um, they would subvert it. They would um, uh, make it fun when it's boring. Um, yeah, and as a, a young queer boy growing up, growing up in Duncan Village, um, those were my muses. Um, I think that uh, I was so happy that this song came out and, and, and put Um, those women in the picture. We
0: expect to see you dancing and tapping
1: those feet. Yes, and also, (laughs) with all this vaccination going on and meeting on the table doing the tapestries, I'm like, yeah, I can't wait to go out and and dance. Me too, (laughs) me too. (laughs) It feels, there's a very special feeling in the air if we all stick to to the goal. So
0: dying to get onto the dance floor into a packed oh, dance space. Admit it, Ati. Hey?
1: Same, same.
0: Bring, I am, oh. bring on those vaccine passports, is all I say. <laughs> I'm ready to do it. <laughs> oh, it's,
1: it's even going to be better doing it in the Eastern Cape.
2: Oh, I'm the there.
1: Family and do it. And, and, and yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I'm so relieved. That especially the older people have gotten it. Yeah.
2: Like
1: my mom and everyone. Yeah. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Ati Patra Ruge, he's our guest today. That, of course, is Desire Maria and Tavern Queen. 9.30, she's here. Zai, Zai, Zai Gabor with the sports. So that's a reworking of Ruben T. Kaluza. And Eland Act 1913. We spoke about it yesterday with the uh, composers who are reworking that particular song. So, why did we play it? Well, our guest presenter today is Ati Patraruga. He's an artist, but he's also co founder of Victory of the Word. And they're doing an enormous amount of work at the Lovedale Press and working with the Lovedale Press in the Eastern Cape. And in fact, Ati Kaluza and also um, B. Tiamzase, amongst others, were many black composers who had. Their works uh, published and printed at the Lovedale Press, and when you look at those images of the Lovedale Press and uh, the years of work that have gone into it, hundreds of years of work that have gone and been supported by it, it, it's an extraordinary, extraordinary experience. Ati, your first guest is in fact one of the co-founders of Victory of the Word, focusing on Lovedale Press. Uh, Annalise Manchu, she's uh, on the line with us now. Um, and so we want to know a little bit more. Annalisa, thank you so much for joining us.
3: Hi, Michelle. Thank you so much for giving me the platform. So let's talk for with
0: both of you. What was the decision to start Victory of the Word? Uh, Ati, we'll start with you.
1: Um, victory of the Word happened in April 2020, um when we were in the middle of the, of the, of the, of the lockdowns, yeah. We're staying in, I was staying in um, Hogsback and i had had a relationship um, that was a couple of months old with um, the people who were the custodians and kept the doors open at Lovedale Press. So uh, from that relationship kept the, came the feeling we were moved to um, start a fundraiser that would, A, bring attention to this giant of a place, Mm. and be, uh, um, uh, also pay tribute by sustaining those who actually have kept the doors open um, since um, they, 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 they got the place in the early 2000s. So um, we had to put together a team, and Lesoko Oseabe and Annelisa Manuel uh, uh, were the first people that I thought of because of their connection to the Eastern Cape. And their sensitivity to the process um and the and the agony that um um uh, uh they were actually seeing us going through as well um yes anadisa um is the curator um anadisa i've known anadisa since i believe she was in high school um so it's a beautiful um, um um moment to be able to work and have fate meet us um in this in this form um so- where we have to yeah <laughs>
0: So Annalisa, I'll, I'll I'll cross to you on this. Um, it's interesting what Ati says about when the Lovemore Press, it was my understanding, and I stand to be corrected here, was that it was in fact bought from the owners by a group of the employees who yes. worked there. But when you listen and read the Follow the Story online, you do realise what a huge challenge for them it has actually been and that perhaps... Uh, their dreams of what they had hoped for were not necessarily addressed and have not necessarily been addressed over the years.
3: It's a revered institution. It, yeah. it completely makes sense why and bishop uh, would be giving their heart and soul and, and funds into Lugdale Press. But unfortunately, the heart can only do so much. Um, they weren't necessarily given the necessary skills to run the business, to be able to make sure that uh, on a daily basis they have the necessary funds to run the operation. And so, you know, it, uh, our need or our, our needful vow uh, was more because we're so moved from a historical point, mm. uh, but also we could see that uh, we needed to come together as a community and really advocate for these three, you know, remaining custodians who really put their heart and soul into the institution, and so um, you know, Ati and I are, are are learning a lot as we we're learning as we do the job. Um, mm, very mm, similar mm. to the three custodians, uh, yeah. so we're no different from them. But we have the ability to really amplify the message through the platforms that we have, uh, and really, social media has really uh, created, We've been able to create a community. Uh, Of people because I think without the necessary visibility uh, to what the Lovedale Press as well as the custodians need we wouldn't be as far as we are right now
0: we are in Heritage Month talk to us about the history of the Lovedale Press Um, it it is an extraordinary history and it goes a a long distance back
3: Uh, yes the Lovedale Press was um, was founded in 1823 by Scottish missionaries uh, with the collaboration of the Tosa Nation in the Amatole region of the Eastern Cape. Uh, so it's, it's almost 200 years old, and uh, it's faced many, many forms of destruction, which is colonial resistance wars, the resistance to apartheid, uh, 1994, and uh, its current war, so to say, which is keeping its doors opened. Um yeah, Ati continuously t- talks about the 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 two thousand and eight stock crash, and uh, to kind of move to us speaking English uh, globally and forsaking our own languages and so there's this lack of need of, of buying closer books of reading closer books, and the level of quality. Of this of course being the language, so, so let um,
0: Annalisa just clarify that. you talk about uh, the two thousand and eight crash. what what does what how are you aligning that to the challenges that you're talking about uh, with regards to the press?
3: I mean financially it became very difficult for people to be able to support the lovedale press, um, yeah. I think from a government perspective as well. Uh, when people are looking at needs, they they really look at things that are far more mm-hmm. contemporary. Um, and so perhaps love del was were neglected, um, and just generally, you know, mm. um, I think many I wouldn't, things. Change. I mean, I wouldn't,
0: I wouldn't um, come, uh, align it to the the 2008 crash just because I don't think that we were as affected by the 2008 crash. I absolutely agree with you, with regards to government potentially having to fund other things, and that's a huge challenge for us. I'd be interested to know what both of you have done with regards to speaking to local municipality and also provincial government with because this is a huge heritage site that you've you've shone the yeah. light on i mean it's a massive 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 uh, point in our history and indeed yeah. i mean when you look at some of the authors that came out of there that were printed there um it's extraordinary i mean it's it's beyond extraordinary and i think it offers um it's such an extraordinary narrative for the future. How positive yes. or not positive have, have the um, provincial municipalities been?
1: So our communication. Um, uh, hi, Michelle. Yeah. Hi. Um, so our <laughs> communication. <laughs> um, I need to clarify the 2008 um, um, stock crash matter.
2: Mm.
1: Much has happened within the past 20 decades since um, um, the Lovedale uh, press was taken over by yeah. the, 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 the private folk. What happens first is that um, we do come from a space whereby um, the lack of learning uh, 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 African languages and Indigenous Mm. languages, for whatever reason, became much uh, 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 limited.
2: Yes. Um,
1: This also goes totally to um, the public broadcaster. That probably goes to many ways in which it has been limited. Uh, 2008 brings the stock crash, but also the stock crash results in um, uh, people also moving to personal... uh, uh, um, Um, personal journalism in the form of blogging, personal uh, uh, media, um, that then brings people to also maybe speak more English, as that is the the, the lingua franca of um, uh, Internet 2.0, right? Yeah. And then um, we get the the, the textbook crisis of 2012, even, um, that then affects uh, um, uh, Limpopo and the Eastern Cape. And um, the textbooks, this is a matter of um, also like the Department of Education, um, not only an arts and cultural point of view, although yes. Val, um comes as being inspired by the arts and cultural uh, point of view. Um, yes, um, textbooks uh, were under threat and also the decentralization of, of, of uh, procurement processes. I'm sure there's experts who can speak more about um, the other things that affect love, especially the people who um, are from there. But... Um, well, the, the the municipal government at the moment is still the business of the owners of Southdale Press. Um, we are not in any way trying to um, uh, find a way in which we can actually speak for them in how they yes. actually relate to the municipal ah, government. Okay. What we are trying to do is to bring attention to us, the audience, us, the people who might have forgotten or are in need mm. of remembering again about the contributions um, to our everyday cultures, the way we speak, because um, you were speaking earlier about Khubusane, and Khubusane is quite uh, uh, um, someone who wrote the encyclopedia that preserved quite a lot, that yeah. can still be remembered in us paying attention to Lovedale Press. So, so um, that we don't want to be treading on any a, any toes in that sense.
0: So um, Okay, so there's a lot of questions to ask, and I just want to say one of our... Lynn has just sent a message to say, I have a copy of an autobiography of Francis Kerry Slate, An Ancestor of mine, which was published by Lovedale Press in 1954, which uh, mm. I'm sure is a, is, a, is a family heirloom for sure. You know, you've spoken about so many different things. So can one assume then that the work that you guys are doing with Victory of the Word is in many ways acting like a Friends of, you know, so you have a Friends of the Museum or a Friends of, and and is that your kind of function and role?
2: Mm.
3: Yes. And Oh, sorry, there's this question directed to me. Um, yes, but really our, our, our nonprofit company's goal is to just shape uh, the minds of emerging artists and uh, to really facilitate and, and to inspire them to contribute to a legacy of the country's literary and cultural landscape. We are not trying to invent the wheel. We are trying to inspire. We are trying to raise funds. We're trying to lessen the financial burden where we can.
2: Yes.
3: Um, yes. Again, as Ati said, we do not want to step on any toes. This is not our job and our sole responsibility.
2: Yes. We
3: are merely trying to put together a community of people. We're trying to shine light on Lovedale Press. Yeah. We're trying to pass around the story, share the story wherever we can, whenever the opportunity comes up. And we're just trying to build a strong foundation where we can educate people about our cause.
0: So it's, a, it's a, almost like you're, you're acting as a marketing arm.
3: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> we so, are their marketing team. Well, that um, sounds... But, good. All, but, all, but also as... Um as art practitioners, to a certain extent, perhaps we're also doing it for uh, selfish purposes because we, I think our cultural practices—I I don't, I can't speak for Ati, but I can definitely speak for myself—has changed the way that I look at archiving, the way that we, I look at creating archives. I think mm. I can speak for Ati in this case as well. We have been deeply, deeply inspired. Um, mm. And in that sense, it, it's for selfish purposes. We sure. are constantly uh, having access to these books, um, some of which are as old as 1826. Oh. And so if we if we didn't have this opportunity, um, mm. we wouldn't be able to learn so much or as much about our history and indirectly yeah. about ourselves.
2: Yeah, for sure. Yeah.
0: Annalisa, we unfortunately have to leave you there as we need to go to Ati's second guest, but I want to say thank you so much for joining us. She's the co-founder of Victory of the Word. Uh, before we go to your second guest, Ati, you, a little bit earlier on in the interview, you spoke about the power of the word. And I, I think a lot about that because I think of, um, you know, I'm even thinking of the um, the interview we did earlier about actors taking the written word and how they then have to translate it into the physical and how does one yes. do that? How do you translate a full stop into a physical or an exclamation mark into a physical? And I'm interested, as someone who does the visual, how you feel like you may have to translate the word into that direction.
4: Mm. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I think, I think it's all like it's so interesting. We're just speaking right now about the, the, the effects of, uh, of Lovedale Press. Yes, and um, just the victory of that word lasting for uh, probably close to 200 years now is something that is powerful. Yeah, um, I know that one of the many ways in which we can keep Amlethel alive is to make ways where we curate um, our, our, our products that can be embodied by people um, mm. because sometimes an archive can burn down like um, or an archive can be flooded or can be under risk yes. and we as human beings need to start seeing ourselves as the archive and i think that is where i come in as well as an artist because the body remembers and um, uh, in that remembering we heal so much in in, in our societies. and yeah.
0: Amasa, I'm, I'm listening to your background noise. I'm not sure if the background noise is coming from you or if it's coming from Sisonke Papu, who is your second yeah. guest. Sisonke, traditional healer and poet. Thank you so much for joining us.
4: Kamaku, to be here. Um, currently in Trombay, so it must be sheep that you're hearing. I love um, it, but I'll try to find no! a quieter spot.
0: No, 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 no. The point is that um, we—that's something we really love. I, I think that Dumbak. the problem about radio is that we never hear what mm. the background sound is. I mean, I keep thinking I just wish I could hear a few hardy does on my show. You know, just because. Big come Ati. Ati, your choice of Sisonke as your second guest, traditional healer poet. It goes to our conversation around words. I suppose it also goes to the idea of how we use multi-dimensions and multi-forms of creativity to to navigate our narratives.
2: Yes.
1: Um, Sisonke and um, I meet um, during a residency that uh, Victory of the Word established last year called Bodyland. Yeah. And... um, I'm very attracted to the many practices that are multi-layered and the many uh, ways in which um, they channel um, their energies, whether it's Mm. publishing, Mm. video, live performance. Um, However, it has a a different spin, one that is part of that um, goal of consoling
2: Hmm. that
1: I was speaking about earlier, whether it's stained glass or utensil. Or, or or, or, going in. Yeah. I think that that is the same thing and I think that's what the time demands and I think that all Sisonke feeds us that.
0: Sisonke, this idea of consoling, it's its such a powerful idea and I, I was intrigued by um, Ati's conversation of it earlier or mention of it earlier. Talk to us about what it means for you, particularly in the terms of the work that you do as a traditional healer, but also as a poet.
4: Tamago. We are thankful for this time to be able to share and to connect um, in a very deep way in Um, All of us are undergoing changes. All of us are undergoing experiences. And Through learning that firstly we must tend to our wounds before Hmm. we are able to find ways of at least physically manifesting some of the things that will be able to assist us in this time. Um, We always try to center the practice around that. Um, How do we create pathways to self so that all of us can reconnect with that part of ourselves that activates the self-healing? Um, without say the dependency or code dependency at times that in order for you to get into the calibration, someone else must be there with you. but yeah. how do you know or connect and feel completely that your own self and your own spirit also already has all of the codes that you're needed um, talk talk to us are a little bit learning,
0: talk to we're, us a little bit more about this idea of i mean a uh, when you say when our need to tend to ourselves i keep thinking of that you know when you catch a plane and then they always tell you put the mask on your own face before <laughs> you put it on a child next mm. to you and and in many ways it's a kind of metaphor for the mm. fact that in order to care for others you you have to have cared for yourself you have to have nurtured yourself and been kind with yourself as well <coughs>
4: Um, In a very personal way, Mdomdala, I could start it by saying that, you know, we are able to connect with others once really we have connected with the parts of ourselves that need to be addressed or redressed. Yeah. And from that space, then the resonance happens by itself. That's why we are then able to hold space because we see it and we recognize it and we know that we have also been there. And because of that shared commonality, then we transcend the division or the separation, and we're able to recognize each other. And that's really when the healing happens at times. Um, it's moving away from the separation, whether you're feeling separated from your own self or from other people. Or you're, not even your ancestors. Utamahaku, um and the grander cycles of time, and yeah. the beings that have come here before us, and also those who are yet to come, so maybe before going to those things, again, it's, yeah. it's really all centered around the body. Um, what is this device that we are using to navigate this particular plane we are in? And what is it that the body already knows? Hmm. And moving like, maybe moving beyond the socialization of how then to project this particular body in this plane but what is it that the body already knows? And what is it that the body constantly tells us to do so that we can be in alignment? Um, So really we feel, as Mukulu is saying, that the body is the first archive, it's the first technology, and maybe centering it back then to the word, knowing that the word as well comes through the vocal cords or through Hmm. the throat, um, and that space, essentially works with these vibrational codes that then give birth to language, and language pointing us to very specific, mm. at times, physical and also metaphysical coordinates. And through just speaking, this energy keeps moving across time. Yeah. I think this is the other beauty, you know, when the word is consecrated onto a book or a text or into someone's heart as well, that message keeps flowing and it keeps moving. It doesn't stop. Sisonke,
0: we're going to have to leave you there to close off with Ati but uh, you've Mm. mentioned so many ideas and I think the idea of that golden thread of the physical that comes from the ancient and then becomes Mm. the vocal and then becomes the word or the performance or the art is such a... If we could... I mean, Ati, in so many ways that's... What you have to constantly address as an artist is the
1: yes, for sure
0: the journey from the one to the other, but it's not an A to B. It's a, probably more of a corkscrew effect in many ways.
1: I I, I, I aspire to reject time. Um, hmm. It's it's very tough, <laughs> but I think that in my work I try and explore it in many ways. Yeah. Um, it, with the, with the new work in yanga at the Noval um, uh, uh, Foundation.
2: Yeah.
4: We
1: very much reject the Gregorian calendar, one of great men of less deeds. but also at the same time, we try and repropose another one, which is based on a procession of cosmic of constellations and also just fauna and flora um, as a feast beautiful i think that going back and remembering and i think that the body has a lot to do with that um and being a performance artist as well i think that i have to practice things that center and put me in body um and body being archive because you can remember things when you are in the middle of a performance or making a performance yes
0: the body as the archive the body as uh, the ancestral time and indeed that's mm, uh, mm, a great way mm. to look at it. Ati, we have to leave you there. Thank you for uh, an inspiring interview with some uh, really inspiring guests and musics. Sisonke Papo oh. as well. Thank you so much for joining us. We appreciate it. 10 o'clock, it's time for the news. It's no longer good morning. It's now goodbye.